So I'm going to read from the Bible now, and then we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Then we're going to look at um, the new series that I'm going to preach through on Sunday mornings, which is called Church, the Bride of the Priest. And you're like, what? Okay, wait. Um, just hold it there. What I'd like to do, can, can we have it up there now then, uh, please, Nick? I, I'm going to preach a theme so we're not going to preach through a book of the Bible. We'll do that sometimes, but this will be a theme about what church is. So we're going to be jumping around the Bible for the next few weeks. Um, so Psalm 133 is key to church life. So let, I'll just read that. Um, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers or brethren uh, dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I'll also just read from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, um, if you are following it, um, I think it's 1218, the page. But this one up here is the key one. Uh, I'll just read 9 to 12 of 1 Peter 2. But you, this is basically what we've just sung, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So reads the word of God. So we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. You can remain seated and then we'll jump into that uh, text. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine power and the glory evermore. Amen. Okay, let's have that one back up there. Thanks, Nick. So church, why are we going through this? Why is church awesome? Well, I'll take like a few weeks to explain it. The bride of the priest. Um, my friend is the best theologian I've ever met. He's in England and he wrote a church course out uh, for churches to do and I've borrowed loads from him. So I'm really thankful for um, my friend in England, he knows who he is, so I don't have to say his name. Um, but 
Uh, I, my aim is get us fired up about Jesus and his church because we're all on different walks. Some of us are new to church. Some of us been here for like 80-something years. Some of us are new to Christianity. Some of us would say we're not Christians. And my aim is we all start now together um, with church life. And um, I guess my, series, my question today is what is church? Easy. Easy question. And the answer to that for today is it's God's best design for humanity. All right? Now I'm just going to try and unpack that. What is church? It's God's best design for humanity. Now, honestly, this psalm, it's about church being united. This is the ancient church's like policy of life. Who are they united around? The high priest has this central role. And he's got this anointing of oil, which some of you are thinking at, Psalm 23, and it's running down to the church. And the ancient priest basically was the one who went between the church and the Father in heaven, stood between them, prayed for them to him, and got the messages back for the church. And he was covered in oil, which was a picture of the Holy Spirit. He was basically being Jesus before Jesus was born. Okay, now, I got in touch with um, Rowan uh, Holton, you know, Ashley's uh, son, and because um, he's a bit of an artist, and I was like, can you design me a logo for this church series? And he was like, yeah. So I was like, okay, can I have a priest being covered in oil and it just blessing out onto the people? <laughs> and there was like silence on the phone. Uh... Now wait, and so I got into it with him, and honestly, he has created the most breathtaking picture of a high priest with the 12 stones on his chest, which represented God's 12 tribes, covering in oil in it, blessing, and I cannot wait to stick it up there every week, but he hasn't sent it to me yet. He's just sort of, he, he has. Oh, he has, but I haven't, no, okay, my fault. But no, all this week, well, I'll stick it on social media next week. That's our church logo. I love it when young people see something and we learn from them. Oh, you just wait, but for now, we've just got this, um, this text. Of, sorry about that. Um, right, question time. Um, how many books are there in the Bible? Yeah, see, it's a bit of a quick trick question because it depends what Bible you use but the one in our church has got 66 um, how many of the New Testament books are written to churches hmm? the answer is um, a, a ton of them a load of them and those which aren't are sort of written to church leaders by and large to help churches so church is massive in the Bible and it's to be read together that's what the ancient church did. It read the word together. It wasn't all this individualistic stuff. It was together. Um, and they lived it out together. And young people taught old people. And old people taught young people about what the word means. And it was a community. And it was blessed. Um, have you ever met someone who was like, oh, I couldn't possibly help you in church. I'm so busy being blessed by God on my own. Um, I'm locking myself in my way for six hours to be blessed by God. At the same time, it just happens that the church needs me to put the chairs out or someone needs me to pray with them or visit them. I could not possibly interact with people. I am being blessed by God on my own. Yeah, the Bible's like, shut up. Um, 
not a direct quote, um, but it's massive on, uh, hey, don't get me wrong, individual times with God are important, but church is all about, and the Bible is all about, together we grow. Okay, so um, loads of the New Testament to churches where we learn what Jesus wants for us together. How many books are in the Old Testament then? Yeah, 39 in this version. 39, how many of them are about ancient church? Pretty much all of them describe ancient church life or a prophet of the ancient church or the songs or the wisdom of the ancient church together. Private devotion is not really a thing in the focus of the Bible. It is important, okay? But church worship together is the focal point. What is church? It's God's best design for humanity. Humans together, worshiping the living God. Now, another question then, to keep you awake. What year did I get married? Who's paid attention to the pastor since he's arrived? See? Shame. Shame on you. 2012. Anybody know that? Did you get it? Yeah. I only met you a couple of days ago, and you got it. Um, anyway, sidetrack. In 2012, Rita became my bride. And there was a lot of prep and all that and persuasion on my part. Um, but church is the bride of Jesus Christ. It's called his treasured possession. Wow. Um, now think about that then. That means everyone sitting here this morning, all of your friends who aren't here and don't want to be here, all of your family... Their chief purpose as humans, whether they want it or like it or not, is to be united in the image of God, worshipping him together as his treasured possession. That is why humans have been created, to know the living God and have his life in abundance. So, let's start at the beginning then, as we ask, what is church? You then have to ask, what is humanity? Because that's where the breakdown happens, where we go off thinking we're designed in something else's image to worship and live for. So what is humanity? What are we made for? Okay, basics time then. We are made, according to the Bible, in the image of God, to become like God. We are therefore different from a cow or a cat. And I love cows and cats, but there seems to be particular special um, design upon you and me in God's image. And basics time, the God whose image we are made in is, and here's a big word, but I'm sure you all know it, Trinitarian. He is one God, which by the way makes, means we are mono theist in Park End. There's one God. But we are Trinitarian. Tri-three-tarian. So he is Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay? That's why, and here's my first reading, Genesis 1.26, God said this, let us make man in our image. The use of the plural is there after our likeness. So here's my next question for you then, Park End. What is the image of God? Ever asked that? 
we're made in his image, what is it? What does it look like? Well, lots of people think they would argue, answer that question like this. Well, we're moral. We know what morals are, and that comes from God. It's like, yeah, you're sort of right. Or we're intelligent, and so God must be, or we've got a conscience, and God must have one, so we're in his image. Or we can articulate things, um, or we can be intelligent, or free will, or something. All that's the image of God. All right, but my problem with those answers are the Bible doesn't ever ask what is the image of God. The Bible asks who is the image of God. And it answers that one more than what is like the traits of the image of God. It answers the question, who is the image of God? Whose image are we made in? Who are we reflecting as humans? Who is the image of God? All right, listen to this then. Colossians 1 verse 15 says this, and listen to the glory and honor of the one that we're made in the image of. The Son, S-O-N, is the image of the invisible God, the Father. He is the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones or powers or rulers and authority. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we're made in his image. Some of us do a better job of reflecting that than others. I do not do a very good job of it very often. So we've got right at the start of humanity, let us make man in our image. Let's design something that reflects us, particularly Jesus who's just going to reveal me, the Father, and the Spirit. If you want to get to know me, the Father, and the Spirit, you're looking at Jesus. Who can we make who's going to be like Jesus? And along come two people, a family with their diversity in them, different traits, different talents, all mirroring who? The Trinitarian God, who is diverse, talented, wonderful, pure, loving. He is a loving unity of three. You're like, why are we different? Why are, we, why are some people different at things? It's like, because God is basically a church with different traits dwelling together, and he's just outpoured that into creation, and voila, here you are, to reflect him, his church life, of love and unity together. Church is not a building, as we've sung. It's much more than that. And isn't it interesting, when Jesus is born on planet Earth, he is called the high priest. The high priest that all of the Old Testament ones were pointing to, who connects us back to the Father. And he brings people who are in his image back to the Father to know him. And he's like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life obviously. I'm the high priest, and when he gets blessed and baptized, the Spirit comes on him like a dove, and he's anointed, just like the ancient high priest Aaron used to be. And everybody who comes into contact with Jesus is blessed and gets the Spirit-filled 
life of God. And I cannot wait to show you um, Rowan's picture of that. Um, we heard in another se- uh, sermon this week from Psalm 23. It's about a man who returns back to heaven after his death. And his cup overflows with blessing. Now I was going to get this cup and ask you what happens if I pour it and don't stop pouring and I was going to not stop pouring it but then I thought I'd get sacked because I'm new I've got, I got to be careful because I'm new around here but what happens if your cup gets so much water and it overflows well I just told you didn't I it, it overflows that is the Trinitarian life of God you see it in Jesus just pouring out onto lost people, sinful people. He can't help but heal people. It's like, you should see the world I'm coming from and I'm connected to my father. And he touches like disabled people and they're just brought to life. And he's like, that is a segment of what is coming in the new world where there's no decay and dying and death or sin. That's Jesus. And it overflows into us. That he is in whose image we are created. What is church? It's God's design for people to get deeper into the life of God. Yep, just like that. From the youngest to the oldest, life in God. Come back after. I must be a terrible preacher. It's really it's quite humbling, isn't it? Anyway, so what's church? Going to the high priest Jesus who reveals his Father and blesses us with his Holy Spirit. So, let me hammer this home. Each and every person who you know is designed to be part of the life of God and they can't shake it off even if they try. Have you ever noticed this? Modern culture is trying to define itself by being so isolated. It's so weird. Like the view of modern man and humanity is isolation. And they're trying to escape from family ties, from traditional Christian ethics in the UK. I don't want anything to do with my past. I must reinvent myself. Have you noticed that? It's like a real modern problem. No one wants to be connected to anything that might define them or put them next to something else. I must forge my own path. And have you noticed, most of the popular movies, and they're fun and that, but they basically teach one person forging his own path to victory on his own against all odds. The problem with that is, because eternity is written in our hearts and we're made in the image of God, that whole concept is delusional and it doesn't work, and it doesn't lead to full life. And it actually, as a concept, flattens because even if you're trying to be sort of isolated, you need a community from which to be isolated from, don't you? You need the community to define your individual. There's literally no escape. I'm going to write to Hollywood and say, stop. No, okay, I won't. Um, You need to be independent. You have to have a community to be independent from. There's literally no escape. What is church? It's a big no to isolation, self-reliance, self-worship. It's a big yes to God's created us to love each other, serve each other, and we're in his image. Let's get better at that together. 
And it's fascinating because if people reject church, they will all still fall into being part of something. It's just a lesser alternative because you cannot escape it. And Jesus, the great high priest of John 10 and John chapter 17, he's like, I've come that you may have life. Church life. And Aaron, uh, sorry, Aaron, no, wait, Rowan, Aaron, Rowan, Aaron. <laughs> Rowan, he's got the 12 jewels which the old priest have. In John 17, Jesus comes as the high priest to the Father and prays for his people which are on his heart. Yeah? We're going to get into that. Um, come to him for life. Right, so that means for people running away from church and Jesus, church reaches right down into their biggest questions of life because it's all to do with who we are. What's my purpose? Who am I? Church has got the answer. What, what's worth living for? You might meet people this week asking that. What is really worth living for? Church has got the answer. What brings full joy? Why do I keep leapfrogging from thing to thing, looking for that God-shaped hole to be filled, and it's failing me? Why do I sin, and how do I stop hurting myself and others? Why is God angry at sin? And it's like, because he's life, and sin is the thing of death. That's why church has got the answers. It steers us on questions like this. What's the place for my individual ambition and career? Is it me, 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 me? Or will I be better off doing it Jesus' way where I serve and join his family? It answers what should be my, tr my chief love. Now, I'm not having a go at Disney here. Well, I sort of am, but I do like Disney. But I've got a fundamental clash with Disney's worldview because literally every Disney movie is look within, draw out the inner you, and win. And it's like, that's all about yourself. And I know people who are so shattered and battered by life, they can't be bothered looking within, and they're so tired, there's nothing much there anyway to bring out anymore. No, in church, together, we go to the high priest who gives us life and purpose and answers when we're shattered or ill or we don't have much to offer the world and the world's just passing us by we are designed to love God first and he fills us first and then we find all desires appetites ambitions and goals fall into place and are far more fulfilling when that first love is in place and that his society father son and spirit has gripped us and we get to know him again. I'd love a Disney film to release like the year after and um, say, the inner me I've conquered and I'm king. I'd love to them to do like a year after what the king does in day-to-day -day life and he's just trapped by admin and he's bogged down by the monotony of life and the somewhat glory of the triumph has passed. Welcome to real life. Now what are you going to do when you're bogged down with the day-to-day -day monotony? You've got nothing left to offer. Or like the married couple, Bell and Sebastian. I'd love to see them a few months into marriage, see if it's all this triumph stuff and, oh, I am the answer to all of your problems. And he's like, no, you're the cause of all of my problems now, isn't it? Well, prophet, yeah, anyway. Um, the point is... We need the Lord for strength and answers and church 
to help us in the day-to-day, not the Disney worldview, the Christian worldview. So, what is church as we wrap all this up? It's where humans relearn who they are and how to function. And church is God's design to meet our biggest needs where lost humans reconnect to the life of God, where we point each other through meals or serving or prayer or worship or visitation or youth work, whatever it is, we point back to him who is the human filled with the life of God. And I'm going to end with one of my favorite teachings from this week. Here's a question. What did God do before the world began? Hmm? All right, have a think. One of the answers is he was planning a wedding day for his son to have a bride. You're like, oh, and that's so slushy in America. No way. It's biblical. Here's Genesis 1.18. I'll read it for you. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. You know that passage, don't you? Because you've all been to weddings, and it's been read probably about the human like relationship. But... The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 outright says God wasn't really talking about the human marriage there. He does. He just goes out and says it's not really about human romance, that, that story of Adam and Eve. It's about church and Jesus. Listen to this. This is Ephesians 5. For we are members of his body. For this reason, I'll emphasize it again. For we are members of his body, church. For this reason, and he quotes, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. So the highest meaning behind the whole story of Adam and Eve is not a dating lesson. It's the biggest dream the father can have is that his son gets to know you and brings you in to that life that he's been having with his son and the spirit before the world began. The father could not really cope without, with his son not having his bride. And then what happens is you get creation. And voila, 2020, here you are sitting before me this morning. It is the highest dream of God the Father that each and every one of you get to know and enjoy Jesus in church together. Listen to this belter, Ephesians 1. He chose us, that's the church, in Jesus before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and blameless before him. And thank the Lord that it's not all about human marriage because in the Bible, often the most prosperous, happy, and joyful people are single people. I can't stand 2020's emphasis on to have a full and meaningful life. You have to be married. So that's not the purpose of humanity. It's nice, but it only ever reflects what we're all made for, that place where we can all come, single, lonely, lost, happy, families, young, old. We're all there together to worship the living God. God has set his care upon a group. It's not... America. It's not the European Union. It's not how much does Amazon make each year. It's not the newest car. God is obsessed with his church and he sent his son to go and get it. To go and get it so that I can close this sermon 
by saying, turn from life without Jesus, the priest. Come to him now. He will connect you to the Father. Trust Jesus this morning. In a world where depression is on the rise, church can help. We can say to people, have you ever been chosen by a king? And they're, they're like, nah, blood. Huh? Yes, you have. God has highly valued you. That's what the Bible said. Have you ever felt worthless? Stop it. Church is called God's special treasured possession, a pearl of great price that Jesus died to get to know. For his name's sake, amen.